The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I'm Sarah Coates, your host, and I'm here with my colleague, Jennifer Burrows, a marriage and family therapist and a licensed clinical addiction specialist. Welcome, Jen. Hi, thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit more. What is a licensed clinical addiction specialist? It is someone who can work in all addictions and kind of focus on helping individuals, family, couples, you name it, help their loved ones, help themselves through the hard time of addiction and that disease. So how did you get into the field of addictions counseling? I started working intensive in-home with the youth and started working with the youth who primarily use substances. So from there, I continued to gain hours. And then from there, I left intensive in-home and began working at methadone clinics and treatment as an outpatient with their dosing programs. And that's where I really gained a lot of my knowledge and skills and drive to kind of work within that field amongst the other things I do. So working with 180, we are an outpatient Mm -hmm. mental health practice, private practice, which means people are coming to you in an outpatient setting Mm -hmm. for help and treatment with addictions. What are some, I guess, common addictions that you treat in this outpatient setting? What I have seen in this treatment has been a lot of everything. I have some clients who are on medicated assistant treatment, so they're working to abstain from opiates, be it Percocets, Oxycontins to heroin. I have um, a good majority dealing with alcohol use, dependence, um, as well as cannabis, some even nicotine, some food. Um, addictions, but that's kind of the primarily of what I have been seeing recently. Yeah, I think, um, in my opinion, a lot of the general public, when they hear the word addiction, Mm -hmm. they think of drugs and substances. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, there's alcohol addiction, and maybe they think of that too, but I do see that a lot of people don't even realize that food can be an addiction. what about even like exercise or, or some healthier habits, but when taken to a extreme measure, mm-hmm. those can be addictions too, right? True, like work, right? Work, exercise, um, just anything that kind of takes you from your daily activities in a healthy manner. So it can be anything over excessive, I would say. And it's, typically it's one thing, compulsive, obsessive, whatever it kind of might be, or whatever your body is telling you that you need or your thoughts are telling you that you need. Mm, like it sounds that it controls you mm-hmm. instead of you controlling it. Correct. So it's your your thoughts kind of maybe I'm not good enough or I have an ugly body or what have you and you don't like feeling that way or you don't really know what your emotions are but they don't feel good and so I'm going to have a substance, a alcohol or weed or I'm going to go work or I'm going to go work out. Something to just not feel that emotion. So that makes me think about the emotions that underlie mm-hmm. these addictions. I'm sure you could rattle off a few that probably drive the addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are some of those that come to your mind? Um, a lot of it is there's shame, guilt associated with the habit, whether it could be, you know, in substances, 
alcohol is included. So when I say substances, I am meaning alcohol and nicotine, but it could be shame, guilt, it can be anxiety, it can be depression, it could be not feeling worthy, it can be feeling stuck or trapped, um, and just really wanting to escape where you're at. Yeah, escape. I'm mm-hmm. sure that drives a lot of the addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to us a little bit more, if you will, about shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. How does that present and what does that look like? I mean, what explain to the audience maybe what is shame? Yeah, so shame is kind of you feeling... I I guess my term is yucky, um, but feeling kind of yucky inside about what you have done. When our loved ones maybe point out what I've done, oh, you just drank um, five liquor drinks, what are you doing? You might feel shameful, and then you might get anger, and then you might get, as I call it, the case of the efforts. Um, where you forget it, like, I'm going to do what I want because you're telling me not to do it. Um, So that kind of intertwines with shame. People get the internal shame. They feel shame from the outside world. um, And then that goes daily if it's not kind of checked. Some people might then from shame go into depression because they feel bad about what they did. But that next day, they're just still feeling not very good about themselves. Again, that shame. And so then they drink just because they don't want to feel that and they're stressed and they don't have time to deal. And it sounds like it sort of becomes a perpetual cycle of feeling Mm -hmm. shame, Mm -hmm. leading to another emotional state, and then using whatever substance to cover up that emotional Mm -hmm. state and shame. Exactly. And so it's really being a, starting to become aware of yourself and saying, what would I like to change or what purpose does that have? Does shame have purpose and why am I feeling shameful and identifying that? And then is guilt the same as shame? It kind of can be, but you could feel guilty about your actions because it hurt somebody else or someone else caught you, right? So it could be like, I'm guilty because like I didn't wash the dishes. I might feel guilty. could be as that is more kind of someone else is coming to you. You might not have. I always feel like they kind of intertwine. So it's sometimes hard to identify. So when I'm talking to clients, their loved ones, whoever I am about it, I always discuss kind of shame and guilt in the same kind of path. So as a marriage and family therapist, Mm -hmm. I assume that you're working with families, not just individuals, families that experience addictions within the family. Yes, correct. I've I've worked with parents who their adult children are experiencing addiction and that child is still living at home. Couples, I have quite a few couples that I'm seeing where one is maybe heavier into substances than the other. And so working through the couple, the family, on how to support each other in a positive way and kind of also learning about healthy boundaries. Boundaries, one of my favorite. Mm, Love some boundaries. I love boundary work. (laughs) Um, I think that is the crux of a lot of therapy is working on boundaries. And I I hear from you and from other addictions counselors Mm -hmm. that the lack of boundaries in families often is what perpetuates some of Mm -hmm. the substance use. Yeah, it's if if you don't have a strong, healthy boundary, and that doesn't mean like I'm kicking my kid out because he smokes some weed. It's really about I'm not doing this to enable the behavior. I'm not going to give my kid $5 for lunch when I know he could use that $5 to buy a little baggie, right? And so it's saying how can you help that kid make his lunch or her lunch, right? It doesn't has It doesn't discriminate against gender. So mm-hmm. how can you help that child? So just really, how am I going to care for myself and have a healthy boundary for myself to also protect myself from my son, daughter, husband, whomever it might be that's addicted to then also allow them 
the chance to identify what is not okay. I'm just thinking about 2020 yes. and COVID. Mm, fun and, times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, sometimes all you can do is just chuckle yeah. about what we're living in. It keeps me in. healthy-minded. Yeah. So we're living here in 2020. What have you noticed as an addictions counselor? Mm -hmm. What is happening within families that are were stuck at home, maybe still are at mm -hmm. home? Have you noticed substance use increasing? Are people using more because of the pressure and stress they're under? I kind of a mixed bag, really. I think people are noticing their loved ones partaking in a beverage more often than not. But I also think it's being home. And instead of maybe partaking at 6.30 or 7, because that's when I'd be done with work, I'm now drinking at 5, mm. right? And so then one drink lingers into, well, I'm making dinner, and I'm at home, and then it's 2, 3, or 4, or 5, whatever, right? And so I think... In the past, it wasn't as noticed because people were busy. You were rushing home, you were getting the kids to do whatever they needed to do, um, and your spouse might have had a beer and walking around or doing whatever until we all got stuck at home and we all see each other's behaviors. I have seen like an increase because stress has increased with micromanagement, being concerned about losing jobs. So I think people are also partaking in extra beverage or an extra toke or whatever you want to do to decrease that stress and family members are starting to notice and so that's causing conflict at times within especially couples is what I'm seeing right now. Yeah I can imagine being at home with your loved ones 24-7 or people working from home so much more mm -hmm. how a lot of these behaviors that you didn't even know existed or thought were mild mm -hmm. behaviors now are in your face and right. you see them happening and mm -hmm. I'm sure that causes so much concern mm -hmm. and it could have been happening all along it just wasn't as in your face because everybody's there kind of watching each other um, which just causes conflict in general because people feel like they're under a scope and so it's kind of just working with that couple to identify on how to talk to each other without putting that shame upon each other right and really just diving in deep and so sometimes it seems like the couple session or family sessions turns a little individual because I'll be working with that individual to start identifying some stuff. Are you also noticing any increase in use among teenagers or adolescents during this COVID pandemic? Um, at the beginning, I did. I actually was working with someone who would sneak out because they just wanted to see their friends. But I haven't noticed that. I haven't seen it. I haven't. I don't have any clients that right now are teenagers that are partaking. The teenagers I am working on who were feeling depressed and stuff are feeling a little better because they're actually seeing their friends now. And so that, I think, in general for teens has helped. But I haven't seen an increase for my caseload with addiction. Right, right. So what are, I know addiction counselors talk about mm -hmm. safe drinking limits. <laughs> what What are some indicators that might tell someone, oh, maybe this is too much wine in a day or a mm -hmm. week? Well, don't finish a bottle in a night. That's an indicator, <laughs> right? So we know that's approximately four glasses. One person shouldn't finish that. That's kind of a binge. And so I would say, you know, the typical like school book thing is one drink for females a night, two maybe for males. But I more underline is what is the purpose of that drink? Right. So I don't necessarily like, yeah, one, okay, I'm fine. Two, maybe I'm okay. But when we hit more, it's a little bit, that could be a lot. I told a client, you're drinking three a night for seven nights. That's 21 drinks of liquor. And that person was like, oh, 
that's a lot right. when you put it in concepts like that, right? But underlying thing is why? What's the purpose, right? So I don't even care. If you're having a glass a night, what's the purpose? Well, I need to unwind. Well, why do you need to unwind? What other ways can you? It's all about leaving a healthy, balanced life. Mm -hmm. So even that one drink might be too much for someone because that's a habitual thing, and you're going through three bottles a week. Wow. Or whatever, right? Right, and they're relying on that Mm -hmm. to alleviate whatever other condition they're dealing with. So it sounds like you're really digging to find out what is the Mm -hmm. issue or condition underneath Mm -hmm. the drinking behavior Mm -hmm. that's causing them to turn to it as a coping skill. Yeah, correct. So I know textbook-wise, it's that one to two, right? But for me, I'd, I would rather get underneath and kind of see, because I don't mind a drink here and there, if we can have it healthy and not have it for a purpose of numbing out something or not feeling comfortable in an emotion, right? I love my clients to sit in their emotions, and they hate me for that. <laughs> they hate you. They, they must not they hate you too like... much. They keep coming back. Well, that is true, but... They're unsettled having to sit yes. in emotions. They are very unsettled. Um, Do you have any thoughts about the mommy wine culture? (laughs) I hear about that term. Uh, Yeah, moms like the wine. I mean, I like wine too, but I don't. I'm not going to partake it. I think it depends too. It could be working mom. Working mom might feel bad about being a working mom and not being that stay-at-home mom. Stay-at-home moms might feel bad that they don't have the interaction of adults. So it could be just, again, what are you feeling, right? The mommy wine culture, it's, people laugh and joke, but for some people it's a big issue. Like it's not a glass, it's a bottle, right? And so it's really figuring out again kind of what's happening in the home. Where's the misalignment in the home, in the relationship, in the family? Again, because family systems from a marriage therapist, that's where I go. Yeah, you're looking at the family system. Yeah. What's happening within the family mm-hmm. that's um, driving the mom or the female in the family <clears throat> to excessively partake right and and moms tend to maybe excessively partake when they want girls night and guys probably do too right they want guys night watching sports or whatever it is and it's people might binge here and there but I think it's if it's manageable binging isn't super healthy either Um, we don't feel clear-headed the next day we have responsibilities aka kids dog cat whatever it might be yeah so again it's how can we live a healthy balanced life so I'm hearing clearly that you dig underneath the surface to find out what is driving yeah Or, or uh, sometimes the analogy is peeling back the onion. Yes, I use that one all the time. Yeah, peeling the layers. I, I like think we all learned layers. that in grad school at some point. <laughs> so, you know, trying to uncover the purpose of the drinking, but then you also help people probably identify healthier coping skills. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. a coping skill is drinking. It's right. just a maladaptive coping skill. Right. So what do you do to kind of help people figure out other ways? So I'll talk to them because I feel like self-care and coping sometimes can be intertwined as well, but I really talk to them what did you like to do in the past before drinking became a thing Mm. right is there anything that you enjoy doing oh well I enjoyed gardening or I enjoyed running well when did you give that up and why can you introduce that 20 minutes a day of something I don't care if it's sitting flat on the floor and just staring at the ceiling fan if that's what you need that's what you need it's really about caring for yourself Mm. when you're feeling overwhelmed it's about communicating it to your spouse or your loved ones when you need help right and to say I need 20 minutes or I need 30 minutes to just be and then go be and it's okay it's giving yourself the okay to go do that and forgive yourself 
for doing it. I like that. Forgive yourself for doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess a final question I have for you. How does an individual know that it's time to reach out to a professional for Mm -hmm. assistance with their addiction? Or how does an individual know that they might have an addiction? Those are kind of two very large questions to answer. Um, But kind of the first, how to know when to, I think is when you're ready. You only know when you're ready. I think when you're feeling kind of uneasy, unsure about kind of your behaviors in general and maybe what it's causing for the family, for the relationship or your work, whatever it might be interfering, if you just don't feel super good about what you're doing, that's when I would reach out. And and that's a good time because then you're ready for help. We can't force loved ones. You can't Mm -hmm. force yourself to go into help, um, seeking help you know, outpatient, inpatient, whatever it looks like, you can't force anybody to do it. They have got to want to do it. So I think for loved ones, it's just supporting and saying, how can I help you? I'm here for you and not trying to fix it, not trying to ridicule, not trying to shame, just to say, I'm here with you. I'm going to be with you and have your boundaries. Right. The balance. The balance. And so it's just encouraging your spouse, loved whoever it might be, grandma, grandpa, whatever you need to say that, can I go in with you right can I share that experience with you or it seems like this is increasing and if they are going to accept it they will but if they won't they'll push back and they'll keep doing what they're doing and so you as an individual then have to decide what you're going to do for you to be healthy if that person is not going to stop their addiction Hmm. because it is a disease and it's hard to stop and it's hard to watch well, I appreciate your expertise yeah, here on you're this welcome. matter. Um, <laughs> if you are listening to the episode today and you wish to go deeper in this conversation with Jennifer Burroughs or any of the addictions counselors at 180 Counseling, you can find us at www.1-80counseling.com. Thanks again, Jen. Thank you so much, Sarah. You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast presented by 180 Counseling with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at one 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.